Welcome to the Hootay Talk podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Bengals-Panthers game, what went wrong. We're going to talk about some other stuff that went around the NFL week three. We're going to talk about some NFL prospects. Today's episode is going to be really good. Thank you for joining us. And so let's get into it. Bengals versus Panthers. Uh, obviously, the, this was kind of a game that we were bound to lose with all the injuries. Then in the game, Green gets hurt. Brown, I thought, was going to play. Then he doesn't. It just was not a good match for us. Yeah, this was a game uh, in the preseason I had us losing even before all these injuries, and uh, I wasn't really shocked. I mean, for a team, we off, we often struggle against a team with a running quarterback like Cam Newton, and while Cam Newton didn't do all that much, I, th- I believe he started rushing touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't do that much yardage-wise, and <clears throat> I mean, a team like that's just going to pick us apart through the middle, especially if they don't have that many outside weapons, and that's kind of where we accept they're obviously going to... They're going to throw the ball through the middle and run up the middle, and that's kind of where the weak point of our defense is. Yeah, I agree. And, and even if Preston did play, we still had – our linebackers would have struggled. Between Vigil did not look good at all. Between Evans and Hardy Nickerson, both of them really struggled. So this was just – our McCaffrey just destroying our linebackers, I think. I don't even think it's so much McCaffrey. I think it's just – I mean, I had I had a problem with the defensive play calling again. Me too. The defensive play calling wasn't very good at all. I mean, I saw more soft zone coverage that they really should not be doing in the situation they were being. Um, I, I just have a problem with Terrell Austin's play calling in general. I mean, he's not he's not showing up right now. Hopefully that changes as the year goes on, or hopefully the players adjust to his play calling and his style of playing, but – I mean, for a guy who is tired to be this aggressive guy coming from Detroit, I mean, he's been fairly conservative. Yeah, maybe it's because he doesn't. He's still trying to get a feel for a player's strength, but you should not have. I mean, on the Funches touchdown, William Jackson was on him. That was soft coverage. You give him that much space, all Cam Newton has to do is throw into Funches' body. Not much William Jackson can do. Right, and uh, something else I. The thing I do like about Terrell Austin's defense is the Tampa 2. I like him. I like it when he uses the Tampa 2. Uh, I think that's effective. I think even if it doesn't work initially, as the season goes on, it's something that they're just going to get better at. But that's all I really have on the defensive side of the ball. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, despite having poor interceptions, I think Andy Dalton had a great game. Just Me too. Because I think three of those interceptions weren't really – they didn't really qualify as interceptions. They weren't really his fault. Uh, the one interception bounced off of Josh Mullen's chest, popped up in the air. Uh, it was picked off by, I forget who, but got picked off. And um, that obviously was Andy's fault. Uh, there's Ross was involved in two of the interceptions, one of which uh, looked as though the ball went right through his hands into the defensive back's hands. And the other, which we all probably saw at the end of the game, where um, it was kind of a mix. It was kind of Ross's fault. It was kind of Dalton's fault. Uh, Ross should have been looking for the ball when he broke in that route. He didn't, and he kind of just stopped because he thought the play was over. Had he been looking for the ball, he might have had a shot to bat that ball away. Uh, on Andy, it was a bad ball placement. Yes, it was. Terrible throw, but at the same time, Ross could have stopped it. I mean, he did. Ross didn't do his job either, and that's just kind of been the story of him all year. Yeah, and, and Ross has been one of the – 
it's just been disappointing this year. I mean, other than the three-yard touchdown against the Colts, he really hasn't done much. There's been a couple plays where he's kind of affected the offense, like the touchdown Green had against the Colts. Hooker was slightly on Ross's side, but just he's not really threatening defenses because he hasn't done much yet. I don't want to call him lazy, but, I mean, it's kind of looking that way now. I mean, this isn't the first time he's quit on a route. I mean, this is at least the third time. I mean, last year he got benched because of it, and then, well, hardly because of it. And this year, I think it's happened one other time, maybe two. Not entirely. I mean, yeah, he's playing great. Uh, another thing of note, the offensive line, they kind of sucked. Uh, Cordy Glenn gave up the sack, I believe. Uh, Bobby Hart... I mean, there was a couple times in the run game where he got slacked, but that was kind of expected. But in, but Hopkins was really never a bad pass blocker per se. He was he's always struggled with the run game, and I thought he did pretty, I guess, decent. I don't if that's the word to say in the run game yesterday. Could have been much worse. I think he's definitely a better option at right guard than uh, Redmond. Redmond right now. Obviously, Westerman's going to be the best option, but Marvin Lewis refuses to play him there. But, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, with what we know is a possibility, I think Hopkins should slide over to right guard when Billy Price gets healthy. I think that helps the line a lot. I think Jake Fisher should go in at the right tackle spot. Uh, with Cordy Glenn, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, after this year, we decide to move on. I think that'd be stupid. But, I mean, considering how bad our how bad our offensive line is, we need a guy even if he's just average. Uh, we need a guy like Cordy Glenn. And you can rebuild the draft and maybe draft a guy like, well, we're going to get into that later today. But maybe draft some of the guys that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we pretty much covered the Bengals, right? Yeah, and there's – I just kind of want to point this out. And I don't know who else but saw but there was a play, second and 17. They call it eight-yard out route the green. He catches it cleanly, steps out, looks like it's about to be third and nine. And then that Ref just out of nowhere calls it incomplete. There's a world of confusion. We have to call a timeout. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was really confused. I didn't know what happened. Yeah, they didn't show a replay or anything, and I thought that was an obvious catch. Yeah, it looked obvious to me. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm not entirely sure. So. Yeah, not that it would have changed the game or anything, but 39 is a lot easier than 3rd and 17. Yep, and, and a guard. And try, yeah, and their best guard. And I think he got, like, what, one sack? One sack, one Dunlop forced to fumble on Newton, then Hubbard missed the fumble recovery. Yeah, that's just that. Yeah, and I don't know. That that doesn't sit well with me. I mean, for a team that's supposed to have their D-line as their strength, one sack against a team that's missing three starters on their O-1, that, that's kind of sad. And we, it was the same thing against the Colts. They're missing some of those starters, too, and I don't think we did all that well against them. I think we had, like, what, two sacks, maybe? Yep, two sacks. The Ravens, we did fine. I thought out of the three teams we played, the Ravens have had the best line. And so I think it might be a bit of Austin's play calling, just lack of blitzing kind of 
I guess, eases up the offensive line, if you want to say, just, I don't know. But I feel like if we blitz more, that could cause a little more confusion, more opportunities. Yeah, I'm not liking it at all what you're from Austin. But, uh, <clears throat> I mean, around the NFL, right now, I'm watching the Steelers-Bucks game. Same. Uh, I believe the Steelers are still up by 10. Yep, Deshaun Jackson, uh, punt, return, touchdown, just got called back for a holding. Who, Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, he just returned for a touchdown, but it just got called back for a holding. Oh. Minnesota got cocky and just played horribly flat. I didn't watch the game, and I don't know how Minnesota lets that happen, especially with Mike Zimmer coaching. He, you think they're better than that? Yeah, apparently. Um, I heard Travis White had a very good game. Um, I also I watched some of the highlights of some of the game, and Josh Allen played great. The guy we've all been harping on since uh, the Bills drafted him. <laughs> um, I'm shocked. Uh, I mean, he didn't do all that much as a thrower, but I believe he had, he definitely had one rushing touchdown. He might have had two. I believe he had two. He had two, I think. Yeah, he had two rushing touchdowns. I mean, he looked like an athletic specimen out there, playing great. Uh, I'm happy for him. I mean, I didn't like him coming out, but it's a good thing. I mean, I like seeing people succeed. Yeah. So, that's that's a good thing. Um, Browns won. Browns did win. First win of the year. Two years, right? Yeah. I mean, they unlocked the coolers. Yep. Uh, good for Baker. He's somebody who, I I don't know, I just really liked when he coming out. I thought he was a great leader. I thought he was kind of the change Cleveland needed, and he showed he was better than Tyrod. He was he was making throws Tyrod wouldn't even consider. Yeah. Tyrod's very conservative. Baker, he isn't afraid to make mistakes, and that's why he's, he's going to be a success. Uh Ravens yeah, won. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered all the... Well, what did the Ravens do this week? Did you watch that game? Uh, n- not really, since it was on the same time as the Bengals, and I don't have NFL Sunday ticket this year, so I couldn't flip back. But, I mean, Flacco looked a little bit better than average, just the Broncos' secondary is a lot weaker this year, I think. Yeah, Man. Chris Harris has definitely taken a step back, and Roby has not been playing his best since moving to the outside. Yeah, so... I mean, well, full-time, at least. He's been on the outside for a little bit now, but... I mean, now that uh, Tlaib's gone, he's going to be given more of that role. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Ravens did win. I believe they're 2-1 and one now. 2-1. and one. We're, We are... Even if the Steelers win today, we will be number one in the AFC North just because we beat the Ravens Thursday night. So, it's going to be a close division. Uh, we do need to win a few more. I mean, next week at Atlanta. Um, Let's I talk about Atlanta know. real quick because, like, I think we can both agree before the season starts and all these injuries happen, this is a game I don't think either of us would think we would have a chance at winning. Yeah, I think the only chance we would have had it. The one thing to note is they're missing both of their, their starting safeties and their best linebacker. Deion Jones so is gone. Yeah, Deion Jones is done for the year. And uh, I believe 
believe their two safeties are done for the year, too. I, yep, Neil torn ACL and Allen something with his ACL. But yeah, I believe both are torn ACLs. Uh, this is Ross's yeah, week. I mean, so that's that offers some hope for Gio. And especially, I think that could help out. If John Ross had a breakout game and they don't cut his snaps, I think this could be a game to do that in because they're going to have some unexperienced uh, players at both safety spots, and they're going to be starting. I don't know who the reserve linebacker is behind Deion Jones, Jones, but, I mean, it's good for the Bengals. However, we're going to be missing Mixon. We might be missing AJ. Uh, We're still going to be missing Burbick. I don't know if Preston Brown's going to be back next week or not. Did you hear anything about that? Um, No, but just based off how the Bengals were saying, I think he – he could have played yesterday, but they wanted to take the safe route with him, so they didn't. So I think they want him to be healthy for Atlanta next week. That'll help us. Uh, one guy we did lose for the season, uh, Ryan Glasgow, he did tear his ACL. Um, that's, that's a big hit. A lot of you guys might not know about him. Uh, very underrated. Our, very underrated. I'd say I'd just that he's our second-best defensive tackle on the team. Uh, he can play nose and three technique. Last year he played nose. Uh, this year he's playing more of a mixed role. Uh, I believe, according to PFF, he was a third best defensive player. Uh, he averaged, I want to say, a little bit over 30 snaps a game. Something like that. On that number. But I mean, yeah, that that was a that was a heavy hit. Um, not as heavy as losing Gino or William Jackson or something like that, obviously. But it was. It's not good. That's yeah. Not good. So expect them to. Uh, I mean, Josh Tupou is not a very good defensive tackle, and now he's going to be getting a lot of a lot more snaps that we don't really need. Uh, so I expect to see Michael Johnson sliding sliding inside a lot more uh, to kind of make up for that. You think but they bring up Andrew Brown? That's what I was going to say. I think that might bring up Andrew Brown. Andrew Brown's on the practice squad, correct? Yep. Yeah, so I could, I could definitely see them bringing up Andrew Brown. I could definitely see them bringing back uh, the defensive tackle they cut. Uh, Chris Baker. Chris Baker. Chris Baker. Sorry. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, they cut. They cut Chris Baker. I can see definitely see them bringing him back. Maybe some veteran presence. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we cover the NFL pretty. NFL for week three at least. Uh, yeah. Pretty well. Um, do you want to move on to the offense tackles we scouted? Yep. And so, guys, what we did is every week we're going to look at a position that the Bengals. Are, we'll, we'll look at a lot of positions, but we're, we want to start with offensive tackles because we feel like where they're projected now is going to stay pretty consistent throughout the season while linebackers, quarterbacks, all those positions could change throughout the season. We feel like these offensive linemen will kind of stay where they are right now. Yeah, so first up, uh, so for starters, I scouted um, Dalton Risner out of Kansas State. And I also scouted Yadni Kajusti out of Iowa. Or not Iowa, sorry. West Virginia. And uh, Braden uh, scouted Jonah Williams. And he also scouted David Edwards. Yep. So let's start with Jonah Williams because I think we can both agree he's a, has potential to be a top five pick this year. Yeah, definitely. I think he is going to be a top five pick. Uh, I'll let you start. I mean, I, I scouted him as well, but yeah. he's your guy, so I'll let you start. Yeah, Williams... Uh, He's just a really good offensive tackle. Not a lot of glaring weaknesses. He has really good footwork. He does a great job mirroring. He has 
Really good pass technique, though. Sometimes his arms do get a little too high, and that does let the defenders beat him around the edge, but that's kind of happens once a game, then he then he doesn't let it happen again. Uh, he's not overly powerful, but he kind of makes up with it because he strikes his opponent with the first punch so quick that it's hard for them to make up with it. And he doesn't get beat around the edge unless if he does have that, like, one mistake a game. And there just be times where he has, like, a, a random mental lapse just kind of out of nowhere. But, I mean, that kind of happens to everybody at every position. And, like I said, there's just not a lot of weaknesses. Like, sometimes he might have his hands by his hips instead of in front of him. That can delay when he hits the defenders. And sometimes he can be a little too patient, but... Other than that, he's just a really, really good offensive tackle. Yeah, so uh, when, I, when I scouted him, uh, I noticed a few things right off the bat. Um, he, like you said, he has that great uh, first punch, that first initial first. Uh, that, he stonewalls defenders right away when he does that. And you're right, that kind of makes up for uh, that kind of makes up for his lack of strength throughout the play. I wouldn't even call it a lack. It's, I'd say it's above average and not elite as pretty much the rest of his traits are. Um, like I said, good first step, good initial burst, good first punch. Uh, he gets very low. He, he gets that lo- leverage from being the low man. Um, he's a very strong guy. I think he that hasn't tapped into that completely yet. So, uh, I mean, he's a great player, obviously. He's going to be a top five player. Uh, there's some things I didn't like about him. Uh, sometimes when he's... He, if, Everyone knows what a nine technique is. A nine technique is where they essentially line up very, they line up uh, essentially inside, right inside of the tight end. That's the best way I can kind of explain it right now. But they line up right, a nine technique edge rusher lines up right inside of the tight end. And when Jonah Williams is assigned with one of those nine techniques, he, and they do a speed rush, sometimes he doesn't completely follow the nine technique all the way around, and he'll kind of get lazy. And then the nine technique will do a complete circle around him and get the quarterback behind. And I've seen that twice on him, uh, so that's something he needs to, get, needs to work on. I don't even—I would call that more of a uh, mental error than anything. Um, I mean, other than that, I don't really see any issues. He directionally blocks very well uh, when he gets a when he gets a uh, speed rush or a bull rush. He blocks it away from the play very well. He's very aware of where the play is going to be happening. Um, I've seen one thing that I haven't seen with him, or that I have seen with him, that I've seen with a lot of other offensive tackles that scouted in the past week. Uh, the delayed speed rush kind of gets him, which is where, like, say, say he's uh, he's at left tackle, obviously, but say um, he's assigned to a defensive end, and the defensive end pulls out and goes interior, and the defensive tackle comes in towards him, and does a speed rush or power move inside. Then that kind of gets him the delay, kind of gets him. He's more of a instinctive guy, and that delay kind of gets to him. So that's something I didn't like about him. But overall, top five player, I'm just nitpicking right now. Yeah, and there's been some. I wouldn't even say some. Matt Miller on Twitter recently said something about guard. No, he shouldn't play guard. He can play guard, but he's a left tackle. Yeah, I mean this league is starving for left tackles and right tackles and tackles in general. Uh, not so much at guard. So if you have a guy that can be, I'd rather, at this point, I'd rather have a great offensive tackle than an elite guard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's about positional value. And 
I, it all depends on the team, obviously, but in general, offensive tackle was more valuable than guard. Um, I think that covers Jenna Williams, so I want to move on to first. I'm okay. So I was in the middle of scouting Dalton Richmond, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the last part, last player two of the game, and I realized, hold up, I've been watching the wrong player the whole game. I was watching their left tackle, who's named Scott France, and Dalton Risner is their right tackle. And I realized I was watching the wrong number the whole game. But and I throughout the whole game I was talking I was talking to myself and I was like, dang, this Dalton Risner guy's the real deal. He's gonna be a top fifteen pick. And at the end of the game I realized I was watching the wrong guy. And so I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about Scott France. By junior out of Kansas State, goes to the same school as Dalton Risner, obviously. Um, he's just a very aggressive, uh, athletic guy. I mean, he's probably one of the more aggressive run-blocking left tackles I've seen. Uh, he's always moving. He's never watching on a play. He's always blocking someone. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's almost as fast as a tight end. I mean, he's that quick off the ball. Uh, he's a great mirror. I saw on the guy was, well, two things. One, sometimes he gives a little bit too much uh, in pass protection, but he never really gives up a sack because of that. He just backs up a little bit too much, and it gives the quarterback less room in the pocket to move around, but that's the one thing. And then the other thing is stamina, and stamina kind of killed him at the end of the game I watched. There's only one game available uh, for Kansas State, the Kansas State offensive line, um, so that's the only game I was able to watch, but the one thing I did see was towards the end of the game, the last four plays, he allowed three pressures. And I think that a lot of that was just him trying a little bit too hard earlier in the game. Uh, and that's obviously fixable. Um, but I, he's a lot stronger, in my opinion, than Jonah Williams. He does not have that initial punch that Jonah has, which is going to make it a little bit harder for him to translate to the NFL immediately. Um, he's obviously a great player. Uh I encourage, all, I encourage everyone listening right now to watch him. Uh, outstanding player. Um, he's great versus uh, hand moves and quick uh, little moves that defensive ends and defensive tackles like to make. Great lateral movement. Uh, he's a great, he can pull, great run blocker. Um, the one, and another thing I didn't, that need, I'm just nitpicking right now, but another thing that needs work is his footwork. Uh, I'd say it's above average, but. I mean, obviously you can perfect it. And he's a very versatile player. I can play anywhere on the line. Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, <laughs> he's a great player. I was completely astonished by him. And he might end up being above Jonah Williams for me. That's how high I am on this guy. Hmm. I am I watched him briefly. I didn't get a chance to watch him a lot. I'm saying this as I watched Ben Roethlisberger throw a helmet because he's mad, but... Staying on topic, I think Williams will stay number one for me, but obviously there is still a lot of time left in this season. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's going to be close for me. I think they're both going to end up being top ten players on my big board. That's going to end up – I'm going to probably come out with my first big board midway through the season. But they're both going to be very high up on that um, for sure. Yeah, it's good to uh, see a strong offensive tackle class finally. The past two years have been really weak. Yeah, for 
Yeah, he's a he's going to be a solid offensive tackle for you. He's not going to be great. He's going to he's he's just going to be solid. But he's not very athletic. That limits his ceiling. Like he cannot get to the second level most of the time. If he does, he'll fall down. And if he does get there, he'll completely miss the block. Uh, he's a really strong dude, though. There's times where he doesn't even look like he's trying and he just holds the defender. Against Ohio State, I thought he did fairly well, of course, against Ohio State when you're going up against Bosa, Hubbard, and I'm talking about the Big Ten Championship. Obviously, that was the last time Ohio State and Wisconsin played. You're going to not win every battle, but I thought he's, he's a really good anchor. I think that's a way to describe him. Yeah, I believe against Ohio State, he only allowed one or two pressures. I counted three. You counted three? I counted one or two, because there's the one that I didn't really count towards him. I counted that more towards the uh, towards the play calling. But, I mean, I mean, two to three, let's, say, let's call it three. Three, I mean, three pressures versus a, three, a future top five pick and Sam Hubbard, who, while he isn't a huge sack guy, he's known for creating a lot of pressure. And he was a, previously a third-round pick and was now in the NFL, obviously, with the Bengals. Um. But that's very good. I think that was very impressive. Uh, I mean, he, this is another offensive tackle that who had an issue with stamina. I, that, that's been an inconsistent issue with all these offensive tackles. Um, sometimes he got a little bit too high, and he didn't really gain uh, too much leverage at, at times. And that kind of progressed late in the game. Earlier in the game, he stayed low. He was good. Uh, and I watched the Miami and Ohio State game. So uh, did I. And I also watched Iowa last Saturday. Last Saturday, he, he looked really good, but also Iowa doesn't really have a good defensive line for the Big Ten standards. Right, yeah, I mean, he's he's a solid guy. I mean, he's good at mirroring. Um, his awareness is something I did like a lot. Uh, he was always aware of what hole, like in run blocking at least, he's always aware of what hole the running back was going to choose, and he blocked his guy accordingly. And that's something I really liked about it, because if, if the guy was going to the C gap, he'd make sure to block the guy kind of his block his guy inside. If the guy was going to the B gap, he'd try and block him towards the uh, set, the left side of the field. Um, but he did struggle in like the short yardage situation. And that's something that I found interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you ahead. there. And so I have a I at first had a late first on him, but I'm kind of now more leaning towards early second just because. His ceiling really isn't that high. He's just going to be a solid player for you who will get the job done, but he's going to have mistakes. Yeah, that's kind of where I have him right now, too. Um, the thing I like about him is he plays against top competition. So yeah. That's the main thing I look at for offensive tackles. If you play against uh, top-level edge defenders, if you're an offensive tackle, but if you're interior, obviously, your defensive line, like your interior defensive line, <clears throat> that's the main thing I like looking at. Like I like watching the tape for the the bigger, better schools, um, and that's well, not. I, I'm not favoring those players that go to those schools. I'm favoring the players that play well against those schools. But yeah. just playing that up. But I, that's what I like about him, and I think that makes his floor a lot higher than a lot of these other players. <clears throat> and but yeah, you're right. His ceiling is kind of low, um, which is why I tend to have an early second on him. Uh, I could see him sneak in the late first. Right now, I believe he's going to be my offensive tackle five. 
but this is a very deep offensive tackle class, so that's not a slight on him at all. It's just I have four other guys ahead of him. Yeah, and and especially with the how bad I feel like the NFL is going through a rough patch with offensive tackles right now. Teams really need them, so I think just because of that, he'll sneak into the first. If I I, just, I don't know. This is a pretty deep class, especially defensively. So I guess it just depends on how the layout of the how the order ends up. But um, next guy, uh, Scott Francis teammate Dalton Risner. Um, this is the guy that I don't think he can. I don't think he's a left tackle at the next level. I think he's going to be a right tackle. Or maybe He could play guard. I think he should stick at right tackle, but he could play guard. Um, he's a. I think he's a great run blocker. Uh, he's a great – he gets to the second level very well. Um, he's not the best – I don't want to say he's not the best. When he pass blocks, he gets – when he's in pass that doesn't – he gets the job done. He doesn't give up sacks or pressures. Um, he doesn't make many mistakes at all. And but if I'm nitpicking, leverage was the main issue with him. Uh, he, he got caught high a few times, uh, and that kind of led him to getting bull rushed a little bit. He did his footwork did allow him to recover, and that's something that is good because at the next level you're going to need very good footwork, and that's going to happen sometimes. But he does need to work on getting lower. Um, he he does have that initial punch that Jonah Williams has, but he doesn't build on that like Jonah Williams does because. He, he uh, Dalton Risner will punch, and then he kind of backs up a little bit. While Jenna Williams will kind of put his body weight into it, and that'll kind of delay the delay the pass rush a little bit. And that's something that I think that would improve his game a lot, and that could compare him more to Jonah Williams, and kind of see his draft stock rise if he learns to do that. Uh, I mean, other than that, he's a great player. I I have him as my third offense tackle right now. Uh, he's right neck and neck with France. I do have France ahead of him though, um, and I think he, I think uh, France is going to be top fifteen player. Um, Risner probably ends up being top twenty for me. Yeah. I agree there, and I didn't get a lot of film on there, but I agree, and I can see how he mixes those players up because, I mean, it's pretty good when you team has two first round offensive tackles on their team. Yeah, and I, I like both of them a lot. I mean, I think they're both going to be studs in the NFL. That's going to be great. Um, the next guy I watched, this is a guy I was very high on coming into the season, um, Yadni Kajusti out of West Virginia. Um, I watched the Virginia Tech game. I watched the Tennessee game, and that was in 2018. The Virginia Tech game was in 2017. And I watched the OK State game, Oklahoma State, in 2017. And from that, uh, Yadni Kajusti might be the best. Him and France are probably the best pass rushing, uh, pa- not pass rushing, sorry, pass blocking offensive tackles in this draft. Uh, he's probably the most, I think Yadni Kajusti has the most potential of uh, any offensive tackle in this class. Uh, I think he's going to be a late, late first round pick just because he's coming from a smaller school, and although they played good competition and he excelled in pass protection, he did not really. He didn't really do all that much in the run game against the better schools. Um, not against the run game, sorry. As a run blocker against the better schools. Uh, and you did see him as they played lesser and lesser schools, worse and worse schools. Um, he did get better. And that's something that I think that, that that can mean one or two things. It can mean that 
he's not ready for the next level competition, or it could mean he's still learning because he's a fairly raw guy. Um, not nearly as raw as someone like Colton Miller from last year, obviously, but he's a very good player. Um, he's very athletic, which is something that kind of shocked me. Um, I looked into his measurables and I looked into his testing and what it was projected to be, and it kind of shocked me because when I watched him, he didn't seem that athletic. Uh, as I said, his run blocking was kind of shoddy, and I, I tend to think that just because whenever he went to the second level to try and block linebackers or something like that, uh, it looked like he was stumbling over a lot. He kind of looked unbalanced, and that's kind of that's why the athletic thing kind of shocked me. Um, he had spotty awareness, and again with the um, against the run, he didn't really know what hold the running back was going to take. I don't know if that's a matter of him not knowing the playbook, or if it's just a matter of the running back getting the wrong hole, or him just not being aware in general. Regardless, that's something that probably should be fixed. Um, a positive, he's very good against uh, hand moves. Something that, like, a guy like Carl Lawson, obviously. Carl Lawson, is, had, he's very handsy. Uh, he excels. Yadni Kajusi excels versus things like that. Um, he's very, he has a very nice mirror. Um, I mean, other than that, he's a very, he's a very good guy. Uh, probably my offensive tackle for um, coming into this, before I watched him, he was my second offensive tackle. Um, it's nothing that he did to go down. It's just I discovered Rizner in France, and I mean, sorry, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, he's very good at keeping his hands low. And one thing I did notice, uh, one of the probably the nicest play I saw out of all the offensive tackles I watched, he was he was in pass coverage, and the left guard kind of blew his assignment. And Kajusti kind of, he shifted inside. He had his edge rusher held him off with one hand right right below his chest. And pretty much, I don't want to call it a stiff arm because his arm is bent. And then he held off the other rusher with his other hand. And it was probably the strongest thing I've seen. And it, was, it wasn't just like he was holding him off and backing him up a little bit. He stonewalled both of them. And that was very impressive. Uh, very strong guy. And... I know the last thing I really liked about him, he was very good at deflecting his uh, the pass rushers outside and away from the quarterback, and he didn't. He never gave them the leverage of. He never gave them a straight path to the quarterback, and that's the last thing I really liked about him. But yeah, I mean, from what I watched in the past week, uh, Jonah Williams obviously offensive tackle one, followed by Scott Franz, Dalton Risner, uh, Yadni Kajusti, and Dave Edwards. Yep, and I have the same exact rankings and. It's finally relieving to see at least what we think of really strong offensive tackle class now. Definitely wouldn't mind the Bengals getting an upgrade at offensive tackle. Obviously meaning right tackle. However, do you think drafting an offensive tackle round one is the right move for this team as of now? I. It depends on who's available and where we pick. I think there's three options for us round one. I think it's going to be quarterback, linebacker, offensive tackle. And I think they should just go with the best player available of of all three of those positions. Just because the linebacker class is very deep, the offensive tackle class is very deep, and the quarterback class is going to be fairly deep. It's not very top-heavy, but it's going to be deep. Yeah. So I think you just go BPA first three rounds throughout those three positions, and I think we'll end up with the best players available. Um, in addition to the top five offensive tackles we just discussed, um, I there's – Two other guys that are very intriguing that we're going to be looking at you next week, uh, Greg Little and Trey Adams. And 
Trey Adams obviously just uh, injured his back and he's out indefinitely. Um, but coming into this year, he was looked at as the number two or the number three offensive tackle in this class. So that's something that we're going to look at, and that could even strengthen this offensive tackle class even more. Uh, Greg Little, some people had him as the offensive tackle one above Jonah Williams. I didn't really buy into it. Uh, I have to look at him closer, but from what I saw, he looked very, not Colton Miller-esque, but he was a very raw player that didn't have his, his um, how do I put this? His draft uh, position, well, his projected draft position, that is, was purely based on projection. He didn't really show much right now. So that's something we're going to look at uh, next week as well. Um, But, yeah, other than that, do you have anything else you want to add? No, and we're going to be doing this every week, and these rankings are subject to change if, like, an injury happens or, let's just say, Jonah Williams out of nowhere just starts playing terrible, like, when – I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying it could change, and if it does, we'll we'll talk about it. Right, obviously. And we're going to... Yeah, I mean... Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, you're good. I'm just going to say we're going to cover every position in the draft, quarterback. I mean, quarterback's a position, especially for the Bengals. Not the biggest need, but you should never count that out, especially if you have a chance of like a high sling quarterback. We're going to cover linebackers. We're going to cover defensive ends, defensive tackles. We're going to cover every position. And as I said earlier, we started with offensive tackles because we feel like these people are going to stay consistent in the draft projections of where they are now. Yeah, and after offensive tackles, I believe we're going to move on to uh, linebackers. And after linebackers, I think we're going quarterbacks, correct? Yeah, I think I think that's the best way to go. And we're kind of waiting on quarterbacks because some of these quarterbacks that we've seen haven't played top-tier competition. Like, who knows if Dwayne Haskins is going to declare. I hope he doesn't. I think he could use another year, but he's not played many good competition. He played well against TCU, but I want to go – I want to see more than one good defense. So, like, Penn State will be interesting and Justin Herbert and – We'll agree that we want to see how they play more throughout the season before we give, like, a true QB ranking. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that's pretty much how this season is going to go for us. Uh, probably going to try and spend two weeks on each position. Well, position group, that, that is. We're not going to split it up into, like, Sam, Will, Mike, Linebacker, or yeah. stuff like that. But each position group we're going to probably spend two weeks on. Uh, next week, we're still going to continue offensive tackles. But other than that, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um I'm going to bed. It's kind of late right now, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, who day? Who day? We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys.